welcome back to the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group, and I publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. My colleague and friend is Bruce Aldrich. Today we have on a wonderful guest. I met her about a month ago at the Superbike World Championships at Laguna Seca. Her name is Mary McGee, and she's our guest today. Mary is in Sacramento uh, as, I'm just going to call her an ambassador, but as a special guest of the Sacramento Mile, and she has some responsibilities tomorrow, I believe, and today she's our guest on the Weekly Driver Podcast. Mary, great to see you again. Thank you. Well, thank you for inviting <laughs> me to, to do this. I, I'm, I appreciate it, and, and I love talking about cars and bikes. And cars and bikes. Excellent. Uh, when I met Mary in the media room the first day, a public relations guy who was working for Laguna Seca, and by the way, he's no longer there, Brad. Little Brad's f- no there longer <laughs> Brad there. just left, and uh, they've gone through a few down there. But anyway, Brad introduced me to you, and, and a lot of people were uh, knew you. I did not, uh, sorry to say, but now I do, and, and you were... Uh, just a, a beacon in the media room for the time you were there and you were watching the bike races with everybody else and we, we did a little interview and uh, it was just great to hear your history. So I'm going to start with that. Um, I think what I'd like to hear you tell us again is the story of 1962 and going to Laguna Seca and being in the first motorcycle race that was held on that racetrack and kind of the ordeal that you went through when you went to a restaurant. Ah, yeah. <laughs> 1962, Laguna yes. Seca. Yes, I was racing, road racing with AFM, yes. American Federation of Motorcycles, and Laguna Seca. We were the first group of motorcyclists to get to race at Laguna Seca. Yes. So, up, lots of great racers, and there was there was car race also. Yes. Uh, I was racing cars at that time also for Vashak Polak, but he didn't send a car up for that race. I see. So anyway. Yes, breakfast in Monterey. There were six of us. I think there were six of us. And and in 1962, I mean, I wasn't even wearing Levi's. I mean, we just dressed like regular people. We right. went into Uncle John's Pancake House for breakfast. And, and the guy came out, and we said six. And he said, okay, there'll be a table in just a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Great, wonderful. There were um, three women and three men. Yes. So pretty soon he comes back out, and we thought he was going to say, okay, your table's ready. But he came out, and he said, are you with the motorcyclists? Mm -hmm. And we, of course, grinned and said, oh, yes. He said, then you have to leave. Mm -hmm. Well, we thought he was kidding. Right. But he wasn't. Yeah. He backed up to a credenza where there was a telephone. And he was backing up, and he said, if you don't leave, I'm calling the police. (laughs) Well, we wanted nothing to do with the police. We just left. Yes. Times have changed, Times have changed. Well, the thing is, the reason he did this is one of the city fathers had an editorial in the local paper that said, businessmen, board up your businesses, send your women and children out of town, the motorcyclists (laughs) are coming. coming. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah. Well, you see, they were harking back to Hollister. I think that was 1949, which was always overblown anyway. So the we did, riots, the, yeah, the so-called yeah. riot. The yeah. so-called riots in Hollister, right. And then the next thing the city fathers wanted was a scramp, who runs Laguna Seca yes. races, mm-hmm. uh, to put up some bleachers so the city fathers could sit on our first practice on Saturday and watch what we do. And if they didn't like anything, we couldn't race. (laughs) 
1962. Yeah. Wow. What kind of motorcycles were you riding? I was riding a Honda CB92. That's I road race that all the time. I was road racing a bike, which really 1960. I started in 1960. Uh huh. And I had to try out, by the way. Being, I would think, yeah. Being yeah. the first female to ask <laughs> yeah. to road race <laughs> and try out was at Willow Springs. Um, however, that's not the only thing that that happened too well to, about being a female. In 1962, also going to Reno races in Reno um, with one of the Vashek Polak's Porsche. It was an RSK and my road racing bike. Got up there, I had two licenses, both my licenses, SCCA and AFM. Got up to registration, put my licenses out there. And the guy looked at me and said, you can't race. I said, well, here are my licenses. I thought he didn't see my, yeah. both my licenses. Yeah. And he said, no, you can't race. I said, what do you mean I can't race? Why can't I race? Mm -hmm. And he just said, because you're a woman. I said, no way, I've got two licenses here. Uh, and I, then I said, Vasek Polak sent his Porsche up here to race, it has to race. And Vasek's German mechanic, Helmut, was right here at my shoulder, and he said, yeah, the car must race. <laughs> and the guy said, I'll be right back. Got up and said, I'll be right back. So he and three or four other guys went out of the little tent structure they had there and it seemed like he was gone forever but I'm sure a little it was conference a, among the boys huh a conference among the boys yeah and they went out and they talked and it seemed like he was gone a long time but I'm sure it was like a minute or two at the most and finally he came back and and looking very glum he said okay you can race this time mm -hmm. so I got to race both the car and the bike wow Anyway, times have changed. Sure. Oh, I want to tell you a funny story back to Laguna Seca. Sure, sure. please. So, so there were some city fathers and probably mothers, I don't remember. I didn't really pay any attention. Sitting in the bleachers, they put up a small bleacher section. And this was our first practice on Saturday. <laughs> and, and everybody got started and we did bump starts. There was no electric starters or anything. Mm -hmm. And everybody got started, but somebody on the right, in the front, the bike stopped running, and sure. several people ran into him. <laughs> several no, guys man, ran into him. You can see that on YouTube all the time. All, all those <laughs> right. races that start from a stop. Right, right. And um, there was one rider that went right over me because I, I, I wasn't. I was over here to the left side, so I'm going. But one rider hit, and then. Did a dump. Anyway, so I was thinking going around the track that, oh, they're going to stop it. They'll never let us race now. But uh, Wes Cooley Sr., who was president of AFM then, he talked to these people and said, well, this is really nothing. You'll see. Everybody's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And we'll just start off again. <laughs> they did a restart, huh? Restart. We all lined up, you know. And I think they staggered it a little, little better. <laughs> Mary, back in the day, uh, wow. uh, remembering these things that you told me in Monterey, and it was an indoctrination for me, and I didn't have a whole bunch of time to write an article, but since then I thought about a bunch of other things I forgot to ask you in Monterey. Mm -hmm. 
were there other women eventually that you you got to be uh, fr- have friendships with who are doing the same thing, or how long did it take before there was a second or a third or several women who the, the years I was racing, um, it took a long time for other women. Yes, you know after road racing motorcycles, um, I took up desert racing. Yes, okay, so it seems. I was the first woman to actually enter a desert race. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, you know, there were a lot of clubs and every club put on a race once a month. Yes. So Simi Valley put on a race that I was in and I got a call, it said somebody from Simi Valley, mm-hmm. which is a long way from Hermosa Beach and there were no freeways. Right. Um, I had a trophy and they wanted me to come out. I got a trophy and they wanted me to come out to the uh, award banquet and it's going to be da-da-da. I said, oh, I, I didn't, I don't think I'm finished. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I said, I don't I don't have a trophy. I, I don't think I even finished. And he said, no, you got a trophy. You got a trophy. You got to come out. Mm-hmm. So my husband said, yeah, we got to go. You got to go. If they called you up, you got to go. Something's on. Something's up. So. This is 1963. 1963. So I put on my little black dress and a string of pearls. Because yeah. <laughs> this, this was the time, right? Right, sure. We wouldn't do that now to wear my Levi's. <laughs> sure, sure you would. And, uh, and went out there. And, and it was at a high school auditorium. Mm-hmm. Place was packed. And my name was called. I can't remember why they were giving me a trophy. Somebody said something. I didn't yeah. hear it or whatever. And I walked up the steps on the stage and got a trophy. Well, I found out later they wanted to know what I looked like. Oh. <laughs> they staged something so you could walk up there, huh? Yeah. Parade up. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. See, what did she look like? Oh, boy. And then I found out later from one of the members, um, of the Desert Daisies, that that's when they formed the Desert Daisies. Mm-hmm. And it was a women's uh, group that ran out in the desert. And then they started entering desert events. I see. Because I did it. There you go. Great. Just for our <laughs> listeners, this is the uh, Southern California desert around uh, L.A. The Mojave, Ty- beautiful and rugged Mojave there Desert. There you go, Mojave. Okay. <laughs> yes, and and also, I think I should probably explain that... Uh, Mary's 82, or have you turned 83 since last month? No, no, still I'm still 82. 82. Okay. <laughs> Don't get me going any further. <laughs> yet. Mary's 82, and she told me this funny story when I was asking about her. And you always feel uncomfortable asking uh, any athlete, but particularly a woman. I asked her how tall she is and how much she she weighed when she was competing, and you said that you had shrunk, mm-hmm. that you were six one, but now you're five eleven, and you're pretty much the same as the, in terms of your weight on a motorcycle. You're 137, and you're pretty close to that now. I am, yeah. Yeah, in 82. Yep, yep. Um, And you stopped racing uh, in... uh, 2013. 2013 at age 77 because of advancing arthritis. I can't pull the levers in. See those? Yeah. Yeah. I can't pull the levers in. And you were doing something called motocross legends. I wasn't familiar with that. Vintage motocross. Vintage motocross, okay. Vintage motocross. A vintage motocross bike is cannot be any newer than 1974. I see. Mm-hmm. And and I have a 74 Husky 250 mag. So what's the what what was the uh, the best suspension like 4 inches or something back then? <laughs> if you're really lucky. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
That's pretty rough riding stuff. <laughs> well, when I was riding out in the desert, I was riding a Honda CL72, 250 Honda. And okay. not only is there no suspension, it was heavy, but it was the first one that came in. My husband worked for Honda, so that's how I got all those Hondas. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah. My husband kept saying, I'll get you one. So I'd say, okay, why not? And it was heavy. And those first, that first era CL72, if, when you fell, I fell a lot. I mean, really. Mm -hmm. um, things broke off. The levers would break and the pegs would break. And um, it changed as that mo motorcycle progressed. Um, it changed, they became sturdier. And, but the bike was beautiful. I think the CL72 is absolutely stunning looking. And was, then of course from after that bike came the Elsinore. I mean they learned a lot and then came that great El well, Elsinore. Well I've heard of that but like yeah. the CL72 I, I assume that's that was a purpose-built dirt machine yeah. and uh, two-stroke. 250 yeah. Two no four-stroke. Oh it was a four-stroke four at 250 okay. Yeah yeah. The, both the Hondas the CP92 and the CL72 were four-stroke. Okay. Um, I raced that Honda out in the desert, and as I say, I fell a lot because I wasn't really strong. I mean, road racing, you have to have some material up in your brain. Finesse but, and material yeah, in but, the brain, but yeah. you don't have to have a lot of strength. Now, out in the desert, you really need a lot of strength, and I did get strong out in the desert. Uh, 1965 was the first motocross race in Southern California, put on by Wes Cooley Sr., who at one time was president of the road racing group. He'd been to Europe for mm -hmm. Allergan, the pharmaceutical company, for six or seven months, went to all the motocross races in Europe, and he, when he called up and he said, get your desert sled ready, I'm gonna have a moto cross. <laughs> and then explained he'd been to Europe, he knows all about motocross, da 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 da. So a couple, three months later, he called up, he said, okay, it's gonna be the first week, it was the first week in December. And I rode my uh, husband's 500cc Triumph. The Honda had gone back to Honda, and um, I rode my husband's 500cc Triumph, and I tell you, after that first motocross race, that's all I wanted to do. Yeah, now if you can fast forward to 75. You did a Baja. Oh, I did that, that solo. Did that I solo? Started, I yes. started, yeah, I started in Baja, actually in cars in 1967. Oh, there you go. I started racing Baja, continued with motocross, love motocross, because yes. the pits were just right over here. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not stuck 20 miles out in the desert. Right, okay. Um, so then um, the first three years I did Baja, the first Mexican 1000 was in 1967. Yes. And a friend of mine, Paul Collins, called me up and said, did I want to do the Mexican 1000? I don't know, do I? <laughs> so it was in a Datsun. A 510 Datsun. I love those cars. I yeah, love them. yeah. A little bitty 510 Datsun. <laughs> yeah. They put a roll cage in it, changed the tires, put on some shock absorbers. Uh, but we pre-ran in a Toyota, it Land Cruiser. At that time, Toyota and Datsun had a, an agreement that one wouldn't 
One wouldn't make convertible sports cars and one wouldn't make off-road. Oh, okay. Hence, yeah. interesting. Yeah, the Datsun had a convertible, a sports car, and La Toyota had the Land Cruiser. Gotcha. So yeah. anyway, we, we did the race, uh, but we only made it to the halfway point. Almost to the halfway point, but chugga, chugga, chugga into the mm -hmm. halfway point mm -hmm. at El Arco. Um, but I did race for Datsun for three years. The second year, 68, 1000, I did it in a Datsun mini pickup truck that had rolled the year before and didn't finish. <laughs> but Datsun sent it to Pete Brock Racing and he fixed it all up, everything, da 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 da, and called me up and I said, sure. And there was no mini, mini truck pickup class at that time. Mm -hmm. they had, we had to run with the big trucks. Sure. So, but uh, we were fourth. Wow. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. It was great. So back in the day, yep. uh, these things were less reliable in today's either motorcycle or cars. You had to be quite a wrench. Not me. No? No. Mm. <laughs> I could change a spark plug. Okay. Now, if something stopped, here's what I knew what to do, because this happened to me once in Baja in 1973. Um, I know how to check for fuel, the fuel, got the fuel going down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you can get it dark enough, I know how to check for spark. And I can, um, I carry the chain breaker and um, length of forget now my brain is only half but working. you could troubleshoot and you could you could advise what was wrong and but that's it I couldn't okay. do anything else I'm useless <laughs> totally useless well you had good support then good support. oh I did I yeah. did have you thought through the years you must have thought about you, you've, you've uh, been humble and said you're not very strong and you, you you said you're useless but on the bike what what do you think that your skills were to make you uh, as accomplished that you've been for all those years. What was the combination that you had that made you an athlete? Well, first of all, I loved it. <laughs> right. I loved being on a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. um, when they, when um, Husqvarna got a hold of me to see if I wanted to race a bike, mm -hmm. in, a bike started in the 500 in 1969, and yes. I said, sure, you bet. They, Husky didn't always have enough bikes for all their riders. Yes. And so sometimes I was left out. Um, like in 1973-1000, they didn't have enough bikes. So Can-Am sent me a 175. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know. Um, I think I t people ask me, tell me, you know, um, once in a while that I have to, I'm too afraid to do all this. Well, you can't know fear, mm -hmm. but you have to have good sense. Yes. So if you're riding or driving, you're not going to be stupid. Right. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. And, but you can't think, oh my God, I'm scared or I should be fearful. You, you just can't, I just don't have that. Uh, but I do think about, you know, you're, your eyes are always on the road ahead. Yes. And what I did to keep my mile after mile in Baja, what I would do mm. is I would constantly, when I saw myself flagging, dragging, I would, I would 
get up on my on the pegs mm -hmm. and then start thinking about where I how I was located on the bike I where was my body mm -hmm. and then and then you're thinking about the throttle and is everything okay with the bike it all sounds good and then that's what I would do think about how I'm how am I sitting on the motorcycle for this section yes or standing trying to become one with the machine huh? one with the machine and <laughs> uh <-huh>. stay awake <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the sure that the race you're talking about yes. the 75 500 which yes. was 600 miles yes that was on a 250 husky from mm -hmm. husky and um, Rolf Tablin three-time world champion he worked in husky he called me up and said, Yeah, Mary. <laughs> yeah, Mary. <laughs> well, they're Swedish. Sure, sure. That's great. Yeah. You um, do those very well, by the way. <laughs> um, I want you to race this 500 solo. I thought he was kidding. I giggled mm -hmm. over the telephone because I'm up in Idaho now, uh, racing motocross in Idaho, mm -hmm. Washington, Nevada. And I thought he was kidding, kind of giggled. He said, no, no, you're going to race it solo. I said, I can't do that. I can't do that many miles solo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes, you can, Mary. So I said, well, okay, if you want me to, I'll give it a try. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, the only, one, one thing that happened was they put uh, Kernut gas shocks on it. The first gas shocks were Kernut. Mm -hmm. And I had never ridden them. I always just rode those stock girlings, you know, four mm. inches of travel. Right. And AC Bakken, uh, we were all out at Estero Beach. Many people camped out there or they had their motorhomes or trailers. Mm -hmm. And they also had a motel at that time at Estero, just outside of Ensenada. So there was a lot of us there at the time. And AC said um, that I should I should get out and ride a little bit to check out these Kronats because they're different. It's going to feel different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. So I went out and put, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 miles on it and came back. Mm -hmm. And when, <laughs> okay, I'll tell you a funny story before then. Um, when I came back in, I took off my helmet and reached down and grabbed a gallon jug and started drinking. And AC said, oh my God, stop, that's gas. <laughs> My husband, without a moment's hesitation, and very calmly said, drinks gas, spits nails. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and it's engraved. This is my, this is my AMA Hall of Fame ring. You're showing us a ring there, yeah. Yeah, yeah and uh, engraved inside it says, drinks gas and spits nails. <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. Thank you for that. Anyway, yeah. so, so the Kernuts. Um, I, I think I must have only gotten 20, 25 miles or so, mm -hmm. and one of the cornets blew, mm -hmm. one of the gas shocks blew. I went into a cactus. Mm. Now, I, when I got to the road crossing, I knew to, when I got over to cross highway, it's called Highway 1, that my husband was there. And I got there, and he had no shocks or no wheels. I had to get on down the road to the first checkpoint. Mm -hmm. I didn't make it to the first checkpoint, fell a couple more times with just that one shock, mm -hmm. and I got to the first checkpoint finally and just in time. Mm -hmm. There were about five spokes left in the wheel. Mm, boy. <laughs> and so the wheel was changed, the wheel, wow. sprockets, everything was all changed. 
and then stock girlings put back on. So, and I did finish, and uh, it took me 11 hours to get to get all those miles in, and I was the first person to finish the 500 solo on a motorcycle. Wow, that's, that's an accomplishment. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I didn't know it at the time. I was totally how tired ready. were you after that? I was pretty tired. I'll bet. Got yeah. into the um, to the um, race headquarters, which was a and filthy. I mean, you didn't even look like a human, probably. No, with, you with never dirt. do. When you finish yeah. these races, you don't look like a human. No, <laughs> you're just filthy. Yeah, filthy. But I sat down and had a Pepsi and put my feet up. My legs were tired. There's a lot of standing involved. You have and, to, because you don't have much suspension on those things. No, no, you're standing yeah. all the time, because your legs are the shock absorber. So there's a picture of me. I'm sitting there with this glass on the table. <laughs> I can't even sit up straight. <laughs> wow. Um, Mary showed me a picture at um, when we were at the Superbikes. There's a lot of things about the Superbikes. I was kind of being a little bit voyeuristic. I was watching how you were watching the, the races, you know, which oh. was really I mean, But you showed me those pictures coming down the corkscrew at Laguna Seca with two cyclists. They're a little blurry, but you're in focus, and, and there were two men riders behind you coming mm -hmm. down that corkscrew. So mm -hmm. what was that? I mean, everybody knows the Laguna, Circa, Laguna Seca corkscrew, but what was that like, that experience, to do that? In, in the track was The track was, it would be, un, you couldn't ride that track that you were riding now. It would, wouldn't be past inspection, but no. please, no. what was it like? It was a little, because um, it's it's all blind. Yes. Now, turn turn uh, three and four, we didn't have. We went from two, and then we went around, had to miss a tree, and then to go up the hill. Yes. And then once you got up there, it's, it's just all blind coming down through the corkscrew. You didn't know where you were. So <laughs> it's quite a thrill. Yes. Believe me, and and it took um, not too many people fell. Everybody made it because good sense. Again, yes. it's good sense. Yeah. When you went back, sorry, Bruce. One more about Laguna Seca. When you went back um, last month, and you watched the young guys uh, on the course, and you saw the way that the racing has changed, I remember hearing you when guys fell into the into the gravel, or there were some other circumstances. You you reacted with it and. I remember asking you later that they had called you out there to help commentate a little bit and mm -hmm. give some analysis. So what did you make of the Superbike World Championships and how the racing has changed from all those years ago? Well, it's amazing. I mean, the bikes today that are racing are absolutely fabulous. Yes. And the riders are fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, everybody's in, in good shape yes. because they're going so flipping fast. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, they're really going fast, and but they have all the accoutrements. They mean they have race tires and they have yeah. all the right suspension yes. and on and on. I mean, when I was racing back then, it was street tires. We didn't have any race tires. Right. Um, but we all, everybody did was ha enjoying themselves, and we all did the best we could, and it was fun. That's all I can say. It was fun, and excitement, and I want to tell you that. I really do think I'm the luckiest woman on earth because I had so many years of different types of racing. Yes. And and not everybody even got that opportunity. No. I mean, somebody would say, do you want to race this? 
finally said, yeah. Sure, and, then, and there was only, there was one race, there weren't all the different categories. You were, you were all lumped together in the early years on, on the racetrack. We were yeah, on, yeah. on the road racing bikes, yeah. all the classes. You know, yeah. there was 50, 75, 125, 175, 250, 350, 500, and then the bigger bike, 650. Yeah. So we all started together, bump <laughs> off and, oh my God. and go. But sometimes there weren't that many riders that could show up because the bikes were fragile. The bikes were fragile then, face it, you know. I mean, they're still very fragile if you have one of those era bikes mm -hmm. and if you don't take really good care of it. I was going to ask you about that. What is it like compared to the newer ones where you don't have to worry about broken spokes, tires blowing out, you know, change being thrown, uh, motor seizing? You can't compare back, them. Back then, I mean, you kind of did that always in the back of your mind, wasn't it? Some no. mechanical that could no. throw you? Never, you? you no. You never think about that. But they could right back then, but not so much anymore. Well, it, they're so good. Yeah. I mean, they're just brilliant motorcycles now. Sure. And they were more fragile. I guess that's the right I, word, fragile, sure. back then. Yeah. And um, sh there were a lot of motors blown a lot of this happened and so yeah, on. Leaky so shocks, whatever, or, or a shock <laughs> that would get stuck, you know, either All in, in rebound, compression, whatever. and All of that. Yeah. But everybody did the best they could and, and all the mechanics and there was no there was no support really from from a anywhere. You mean and, like the manufacturers? Right. Or? There was no support from the manufacturers. Um, there were for the desert racers like Bud Eakins was mm -hmm. sponsored by Triumph and uh, so on and so forth but for the road racers pretty much you were on your own because there a, it was not AMA at that time it was mm -hmm. AFM and it's also it was pretty new although we had a ton of racetracks because we had the racetracks like Riverside International Santa Barbara and Laguna Seca but we also had all of the the World War II auxiliary fields I've heard of those. I obviously never, I don't know anything about them, but I've, I've oh, heard that there were some, yeah. A lot of them. Uh, it, oh, bomber sites, right? I mean, airfields where you could you could race. Well, that's what we did, race. Right. But the reason they were built is they were afraid that the Japanese were going to bomb the airfields. Oh. And the airports. And they needed to have make sure that they could land their planes. So they were all over. They're I like mean, alternate airports then, huh? Well, they oh. weren't airports. They were just airfields. Just oh, okay. Airfields. Just runways. Mm -hmm. I raced uh, cars uh, in, and there was, uh, in Tucson, Arizona, out of Glendale, Arizona, Casa Grande, Arizona. It's just cars. And bikes, we raced in as I said, the race course is Santa Barbara, Riverside, and Laguna Seca, but there was San Jose, San Luis Obispo. There was an abandoned naval air base up in Katati. Uh, Vacaville had one of those, those World War II auxiliary fields. So they, we got to race on all of those. Wow. Somebody are, set up the course. <laughs> I would say maybe in the last 25 years, there have been more women who encourage young women to do more sports. And we've mm -hmm. become um, 
better about that in some ways. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. And um, whether it's someone in a prominent sport, Serena Williams, or it's a, a Olympic swimmer, or anybody who wants to do any sport in which women do, which is most sports now, basketball and other things, how, how often do you speak, I know you do some, uh, mm-hmm. speaking to, to young women, and, and what do you tell them? I do, I do talk. Um, I was in Tacoma, Washington mm-hmm. at the LeMay Marymount Museum yes, for yes. Bike Week. Yes. I was at uh, Vintage Motorcycle Days, AMA Vintage Motorcycle Days in Lexington, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I get lost sometimes. That's, that's oh, right. and I was, and I was in um, Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was. They had me being a legend and a trophy girl at the Speedway races in uh, Auburn. Okay. I loved it. I've never been a trophy girl before. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> they wanted to see what you looked like. There you go. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> no, it was a lot of fun. That's like yeah. that little black dress back in the 62 no. yeah, yeah, or whatever right. year that was. So yeah. when, when do, do young women approach you and um, or, or not? Or even or, or young fellows who are motorcycle? What, what, what kind of advice do you give if you give any? If anybody asks me for advice, oh, yeah. mostly at these places, I, I talk about the stuff I've done, and I have a lot of fun stories. Yes. Um, um, if I'm asked for advice, mm-hmm. I, I make sure that they actually know how to ride a motorcycle. Yes. And if, they, if they're just getting into motorcycling, I suggest a small two-stroke dirt bike. Mm-hmm before they get out on the street. Because on a dirt bike, you're gonna know what the rear end is gonna do all the time. You turn yes. on that throttle, and you're gonna, you're, you're gonna get a feel for a motorcycle. And if you just go out and buy a big motorcycle for the mm. road, yes. you're gonna get in trouble. That's what I think. Perfect, thank you. Mm-hmm. That's just what I think. So that's that's my Yeah, advice. you can mess up in the dirt and, and not hurt yourself too bad. No. But on the road, that's not such a good thing. Yeah. No, and yeah. I've, I've seen that. And it's not good. On the dirt, you know, it bruises and this and that and the other thing. Broken finger, big deal. Yeah. I've done all that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back, back a little bit. And you were yes. tell, when, I, when I met you again, uh, referencing in Monterey, you told me the story about the wild one and, and part of the legacy or the things that have been embellished through the years with the, with the riot of Hollister and, and the movie that came out, I think it was in 50 maybe, and with Marlon Brando. So... Um, what is what is your recollection, and how much of the how much of the riot is um, true, or how much of it has just been embellished over the years? Or what what are your thoughts? Well, on I that? wasn't there, but no. my thoughts are. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of information on the on, on if you go to you know Google it or something yes, yes. about it, and and there were a couple of really stupid guys. Right. Like one drunk guy, actually did ride into the bar, mm-hmm. and harass people. Okay. I know. Yeah. I know. Well, that's alcohol for you. Yeah, sure. Like it happened, that's Sac- it happened here in Sacramento, I suppose, too. But at the time, it was a bigger deal because it was, you know. It was a really big deal. And yeah. Hollister was a small town. Yes. And and everybody got scared when they heard the roar of all these Harleys. Sure. Because they can be pretty loud, mm-hmm. especially then. And and so it scared them. And then they were all congregating and, and getting drunk and and. People would walk by and they would harass them, especially women. Yes. But I don't think, I don't think the devastating, the results were as devastating as 
as was portrayed in the media. Yes. But I wasn't there. I'm not sure. I've never met anybody that was there. You never meet Martin Blando. No. No. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I, I came close to him. Yeah, yeah. At, in, um, it was at the ski shop in Sun Valley, mm -hmm. Idaho, because we lived in Ketchum mm -hmm. for quite a while. And he was there um, in, a, in the ski shop looking for coats or whatever. Yes. And I, I did... I saw him, did a double take, and I just said, I would just like to tell you how much I enjoy your work. Yeah. And he just looked at me and said, thanks. Yeah. And went back to looking at Coach. Uh, I'm not really Marlon Brando. <laughs> I just look like him. <laughs> that happens all the time. It happens yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh, you're you're going to be here uh, for the Sacramento Mile. Yes. And, and what are they going to, uh, are they going to um, put you on another podium, or what are they going to have no, you do? No, no, they have... Um, I didn't bring any with me. They're yeah. in my room. Um, you have to have a five by seven. I was told this because yes. I didn't know to do that. Five mm -hmm. by seven with some pictures. I see. And then you autograph that. Oh, I see. And that's it's. They call it the legends thing. You just autograph oh, these okay. pictures. It's Fantastic. from a three to four, I think, or mm -hmm. maybe it's two to three. It's one of those. Yeah. Did you ever flat track in the day? No. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. It's crazy, huh? It well, is fun. The mile is crazy. I've, yeah. I've been to the Sacramento Mile before. I've, yeah, me too. And those guys are just nuts. Fast, <laughs> unbelievable. I went back in the day when it was Jim Rice and Dick Mann and all those guys. Mm-hmm. And they have breaks now. Oh, man. These guys are <laughs> sissies. I'm not going to go. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I tell you what I think is the most fun to watch is Speedway. Those are those odd-looking motorcycles, yeah. 500 cc, yeah. no brakes, and to slow it down, you gotta throw it into Pitch the it, turn. And sometimes they hook up too much and they do a big old wheelie. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, those are really yeah, wild. Yeah, I, I enjoy watching Speedway. And you told me uh, uh, that you don't like particularly Formula One because it looks like they're on rails. Oh yeah, Formula One cars. Yeah. I don't. It it, it looks like the, it, it's 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 almost. Right, it's not like a, just like on rails. Yes. Like the toy cars on rails. I see. Also, back in the day, mm -hmm. in the day of even after Juan Fangio, which mm -hmm. he was the best, you know, Jimmy Clark, and yes. Chris McLaren, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, um, you could see the the driver. Yes. You could see the driver. Now you can't see anything. Yes. Maybe the top of a helmet. And, and it's all computer stuff. Yeah, it's all button pushing. Button yeah. pushing. Yeah. So it's a lost, it's a lure because I'm from the days of shifting. Right, right. <laughs> shifting. And, and the cars don't slide around. I mean, that's always fun, right? No, yeah, yeah. What's, what's on your schedule after Sacramento Mile? Last month you were at Superbikes here at Sacramento Mile. Do you have other things planned that you've been invited to since you're... Um, Hall of Fame induction? Are you going to do other things that you have planned? Uh, um, I don't have anything. I was, I, I was invited up to for the 15th and 16th to Washougal. It's a big motor motorcycle, big doings. But my uh, nephew and his wife have invited me to Hamilton in San Francisco. They already have the tickets, oh. the hotel room, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I can't say I can't go there for right, right, big right. motorcycle stuff. Okay. Gotcha. I wanted to remind that Mary drove from Gardnerville to Sacramento in her 17 and a half year old Toyota Tundra mm -hmm. and you stopped a couple times mm -hmm. 
Um, and uh, you told me that uh, driving, that what frustrates you is people don't have a, a good vision on what they, they're not watching what they're doing. You have to have your eye on things. And I, I remember what you said, and I thought, that's a perfect answer. People, they're, they're not necessarily texting, but there's lots of other distractions that they're not concentrating on what they're doing. They, and, and they've lost their field of vision. Yes. I mean, you can, you can drive with people and, and you can say, or you can be driving and they're a passenger and you can say, wow, wasn't that an awesome looking? And, and they'll, they, they, don't, they don't have a field of vision. Yes. And I don't understand that. And I, when you're driving, I think you have to have this field of vision plus with this concentration on what you're doing. That doesn't mean you mean you can't eat a ham sandwich and drink a Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that eye fixation thing is not good for for race driving. You, you've got to be looking around. You've got to be aware. Got to be aware, you sure, know, because there's yeah. people coming up here. You never ever turn around to look to see who's behind you. Cuz the minute you do that, you you're they're past you. So never do that right and anything if you're racing so that's why you have to have be aware of what's happening here and and if you don't want to hopefully run into them if they're coming up on you do you mary do you have any old bikes my sort of like museum pieces we'll call them just that you have at the house or whatever no no just sold them all or all gone they're all gone i most of them were never mine Uh uh-huh sure except this 74 250 Husky Mag. That's it's in the um, Hall of Fame, Never, AMA Hall of Fame. Did you have a Harley or anything in no. later days? No, no, <laughs> no. I didn't. Okay. I didn't. I always wanted to have a Triumph. I tell you the truth. When I I thought I would, when I stopped um, racing vintage motocross, I thought I will get a street bike, and and it was always which one would I get? Well. I like several, Ducati, Triumph, mm. and I thought probably I would end up with a Triumph. But unfortunately, the arthritis interfered, and A, I had to give up racing and riding, trail riding, of which I thoroughly enjoyed, because mm. where I live, there's just tons of trail riding mm. available. Yes. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and the story of uh, you going to uh, Laguna Seca, I found that interesting, that it was your nephew who told the people the organizers of that event maybe you should know who who mary maybe they maybe they knew but had forgotten that they you should know who mary mcgee is and, who, and then that all got put together and you came down in their motor home with them and he'd been going to laguna seca for years they've of been, his interest they've been camping out he and his friends have yeah. been camping out at laguna for years yes now i think brad yes who you said is no longer yes with laguna saw the picture of uh of the corkscrew, me and the corkscrew. Yes. And he actually wrote to me. That's what it was. And said, That's could right. he call me? Sure. So would I call him? I called him and talked. He asked me about what that was about. Mm-hmm. And I told him. Mm-hmm. And what the infield looked like and what those turns looked like. And and then he wanted to know if he got me hotel rooms and da-da-da-da when yeah. I do this. Well... I forwarded this all this stuff to my nephew, mm-hmm. and then he called Brad. There you go. <laughs> and that's how this all happened. They got it fixed out that, you know, with with his budget, what he could do, and and uh, so Chris and his friends brought me down, stopped 
Embassy Suites. Yes. And then uh, Sunday night, I spent the night in the motorhome with them. Gotcha. And then we came home Monday. I'd forgotten if I asked you this, mm -hmm. had you been back to Laguna Seca? I had not. Since 62. So there was, I think you told me that you went up and you did commentating. You said, all the trees are gone. <laughs> Something like that. The trees are all gone? Yeah. And it's and it's all runoff now. Yes. It's all runoff. I mean, if you see that old picture from '62. Yes. You know, we had some hay bales, and that was it. That old safety thing that these new guys do, huh? <laughs> and, and the runoff. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they, they just trees are not a good thing to hit. Well, you know, there is a way around that. Yeah. Slow down. Yeah. Use your yeah. brakes <laughs> and turn. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I hated to see that they cut down so many trees. Yes. I really did, because what do they do with the trees? Yeah. Anyway, and I all mean, the and the animals that were in those trees, I always think about. Yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. 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 So I miss that. Um, and 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 I thought about over the years going back to see Laguna, but mm -hmm. it never came up. The timing was never right to go see a race, a GP race, or yes. the World Superbike races. And this year they're going to have the Indy cars are going back in, uh, next yep. month for the first yep. time in a long time. Yep. So I look, look forward to that. I would like you to go into that restaurant, which I guess is still there. Uncle John's Pancake House. Uncle John's, and we'll, we'll sit down and just tell them, you know, what's going on. And Maybe that guy's still there. Maybe the guy's still there. <laughs> now, that's funny. I can tell you kind of a fun story if you'd Please, like to sure. hear Please, yeah, okay. sure. Many as you want. <laughs> Remember I told you we limped into El Arco in that first Mexican 1000 in yes, the Datsun right. 510? We limped in, and by the time we got there, it was cold. They were burning rubber tires. Everything in El Arco, that's a tiny, tiny little, not even a village. But all the, it, that, that route was the truck route, you know, from La Paz to Ensenada and then back. And trucks went through tires, those big two and a half ton, five ton trucks. Right. So there were a lot of tires there. They were burning tires for warmth. The smell is not too wonderful. No, I imagine not. <laughs> And all the cardboard in that little village was already taken, especially by anybody that came in first, like the halfway motorcycle riders. Mm -hmm. That was a change-off point because it was halfway point. What did they want the cardboard for? Because the ground was friggin' cold. <laughs> okay, for sleeping. It was freezing. Yeah. It was freezing. I can't tell you, explain to you how cold it was. And huh. the ground was super, super cold. Um, and. Right, nobody had sleeping bags or anything, so you're just lying on the cardboard, and that's a that's a much warmer than just being on the ground. Yes. So, I'm I'm keeping warm with the burning tires, and you know you have to turn around and turn around to get yourself all warmed up. And on one of my turns, I got so tired of standing, I finally just looked around and looked around, and right over there. I saw two motorcycle riders back to back on cardboard. Mm. <laughs> I turned around, turned around, got myself nice and warm. I just went right over there and I slithered in between them. <laughs> they never knew I was there. Holy <laughs> oh, smokes. Oh, Mary, that's great. <laughs> well, the next morning, one of them yelled out, I slept with Mary McGee. <laughs> Sure they did. Okay. <laughs> and some burning tires. That's a pretty yeah, it was a desert rider in yeah. Don Bohannon. Uh, 
So anyway. That's great. Yeah. Baja, well, that's, Baja, Baja was really a lot of fun. The years raising Baja was really a lot of fun. I can well, imagine. Well, wait, fun. It's you were sleeping around a little bit, but other than that. <laughs> sleeping around a little bit. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. The Baja races, whatever you're racing, that's the especially on a motorcycle, are the hardest races that I've ever done. Yes. Um, and I wasn't in as good physical shape then as I became a few years later because mm -hmm. um, the desert racing, if I hadn't been out in the desert racing, mm -hmm. I don't think I could have been doing all the motocross and Baja stuff that I did to get in shape. Yeah, you mentioned that the nutrition wasn't so good and dehydration was pretty, you know, you had to carry whatever you had, you know, you carried it, a lot of stuff, but it wasn't that much really. It was, no, you I got carried, dehydrated. I carried a flask of um, Gatorade. Yeah. Oh, actually, it was mixed up ERG, electrolyte replacement. Yes. And um, just say Gatorade today. <laughs> right. And, um, and that was it. I mean, you know, you had a chain breaker, screwdriver, a pair of pliers, a chain link, um, some chewing gum, extra pair of glasses for me, mm -hmm. handkerchief, right? Just and things like that in your barber jacket with pockets. <laughs> if you want, yeah, I guess uh, not having a sleeping bag that makes you not want to stop, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the team owner would that make you keep going? You don't. You never stop <laughs> unless you break down. No, it's nonstop. There's no stopping. But what's the what's the overnight? Well, that's when you broke down, I guess. That's when we broke down. Yeah. There's no stopping. It's just start to finish. Unless you How many down. hours straight then? Well, on the 500 that I rode solo, the 600 miles, that was 11 hours. It took me 11 That's hours. It's a good long ride. That's a good, wow, it was yeah. a long ride. Let's just start off early. <laughs> sure. Wow. Well, Mary, it's been, it's been great just to meet you for the second time and get to know you a little bit better with Bruce. And thank you so much for being our guest on the Weekly Driver podcast. It's it's a treat. Just, I could stay you, the yeah. whole day and whole tomorrow as well just talking to you. It's just wonderful to hear great stories. Thank you. Well, thank you. It's been a ple my pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you for asking. Mm -hmm. You bet. Thank you.